All right. So let's just get to my review points um, from Revelation chapter one. There's a few of them. There was some questions that I had in a Q and A uh, after that uh, specific question that came out on point number three uh, from our list, and so I just want to go through that. We'll we'll read one, two, and three, and then I'll answer the specific question about number three. All right. And we say, remember um, seven key points from Revelation one. This is just review, not trying to. This is not my teaching, and I got two other lists. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Um, so number one, remember the preeminence principle. Jesus is the preeminent one. Jesus is the subject. It's not just the book of Revelation. The way the apostle John wrote it, it is it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And revelation simply means an unveiling. So don't say, man, this is a book of mysteries and I can't get it. It's actually an unveiling. Number two. The revelation of Jesus Christ is a book of blessings. It says that we are blessed in reading, hearing, and doing the things that are written therein. Number three, and this is the one we'll deal with a second here, uh, just to clarify it a little further. John is writing to the seven churches of Asia, which is in modern day Turkey, and the Godhead is actively involved in this book. So let's look at Revelation 1, 4, and 5. Um, this was the one, this was the thing that brought some questions in, um, which makes sense why it was a question and I kind of rushed past it and, and didn't see it myself. Revelation 1, 4 and 5. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. That's talking about God, the father and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. It's actually talking about the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, Pastor David, he who was and is and is to come, I understand why you say that's God the father. Jesus is clearly highlighted. But if it's seven spirits, how is that the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked that question. All right. Let's look at. Um. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. We're going to let the Bible speak for itself. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. So it's talking about Jesse, the father of David. Jesus is the rod that comes from the stem of Jesse. All right? So it's talking about Jesus here. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. One, the spirit of wisdom. Two, Spirit of understanding, three. The spirit of counsel, four. Spirit of uh, spirit of might, five. The spirit of knowledge, six. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord, seven. And go on to verse three. Um, his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Then it goes on to say, with righteousness he'll judge. So that's that's enough of that. That's that's just like. Um, we could talk about the Holy Spirit and call him the comforter. We could call him the spirit of truth. And I'm still talking about the same person. Right. When I say Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, that's my provider or Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, that's peace. I'm not talking about a different person. I'm talking about a different aspect of his character. All right. And so um, just like we know that the names of Jesus give us 
insight into his character, though we're talking about one person. We just looked in the book of Revelation. That first that verse said, you know, he's the king of the of the of the prince of the kings of the earth. You know, the one that loved us and gave himself for us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We're talking about one person. But but there are different aspects of his character. God's character is so big. He has to unveil himself to you in measures because you couldn't take it all. If he just showed all of himself to you in one in one instance. So he gives us these these things that help us in our finite mind to grasp the infinite nature of God. All right. So that was a question that came up. What is these seven spirits of God? And so I wanted you to know where I got those seven from. Okay, um, the, the sevenfold manifestation of the spirit of God, we will see in some other scriptures is is referred to as the eyes of the Lord. So just remember what those seven are and that in the future, I'll tie that back where we'll talk to you about how those the, the Holy Spirit is literally the eyes of the Lord that's running to and fro throughout the whole earth. OK. Number four from our list. Not only do we get a revelation of who Jesus is, but we also get a revelation of who we are. Blood washed kings and priests, kings being authority in the earth, priests being authority in heaven. Five, you can be highly anointed in difficult circumstances and still be highly used of God if you keep your eyes on Jesus. Listen, Patmos, Patmos was, was the Alcatraz, the prison island of the Roman Empire. John was an old man, believed by most to be between 80s and 90s at this time, on an island with a, a lot of bad crooks, and he had to fend for himself. But because he kept his eyes on the Lord, he could still get his job done. Number six, the revelation of Jesus Christ is concerning things past, present, and in our dispensation, things future. And then finally, this is the one I'm going to dig. I'm going to drill into number seven. There is a very specific in-depth revelation associated with the identity and operation of the church, angelic past pastoral interaction, and Jesus oversight. So number seven, which we talked about last week, is the thing that I'm going to go into today. So let's lead just for review um, our scripture here, verse 20 is the key one that I want to get to, and then we'll bridge off verse 20, but I want to start at verse 12. Then I, John speaking, turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. That's what we're going to deal with. And in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with the golden band, his Hair, head and hair are white like wool, as white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire, feet like fine brass, as if it refined in a furnace, his voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. We're going to talk about the seven stars. Out of his mouth went the sharp two-edged sword, his countenance like the sun shining in strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand, the same hand with the seven stars, laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades or hell and of death. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven 
stars, which you saw on my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars of the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, which you saw are the seven churches. All right. So that's the piece we want to we want to deal um, with today. And this is a very important revelation because Jesus called it a mystery. That means you might not have got at all all of the insight in it on first pass. When things says this, when the scripture says, I want to show you a mystery. Um, there's a great mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed or a mystery concerning Christ in the church. That means it's something you have to spend time and unpack with the guidance of the spirit of God to get the insight out of it. All right. So um, I have two lists, one that my first list talk about the seven golden lampstands and the second one talked about the seven stars. All right. So let's let's start with this first list. Seven keys to the mystery of the seven golden lampstands. Number one, in the Old Testament, in Zechariah, the presence of God in the earth. In natural Israel was represented by a single menorah lampstand, a single lampstand with seven lamps and two olive trees feeding it representing the ministry of these two gentlemen, Zerubbabel and Joshua. And I'm going to show you that, though the scripture that I'll deal with um, to show you that one, it you'll see Zerubbabel referenced because I'm starting in chapter four. But if you go back into chapter three, you'll see Joshua referenced. Now, this is not the Joshua. That's the Moses Joshua. That dude is long dead now. OK. There's another guy because Joshua is a popular name um, named Joshua in the book of Zechariah that we're talking about. OK, and so this Zechariah and Joshua were contemporaries with Ezra and Haggai um, and some of the other uh, prophets. OK, just I'm trying to place it in a place in history and then I'm going to show you the scripture. All right. Now, um, what I want to make sure that you understand as we go through um, our point, number one is in their dispensation. Remember, pastor says God deals with people at different times in different ways called dispensations In their dispensation. There was one single lamp stand. In our dispensation, there were independent individual lampstands. And I have. I went on Google. I'm not saying this is exactly God, but because pictures are worth a thousand words, I found representations and I just want to show you pictures so you can have different pictures of the two. All right. Now, let's look at um, we're going to read Zechariah chapter four. And I'm going to read the whole um, chapter. And our key point as we read this is that the ministry was a single corporate presence of God on the planet through the spirit of God within the nation of the people Israel. All right. Zechariah chapter four. Now, the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who was waking out of his sleep. And he said, what do you see? So I said, I am looking and there is a lampstand, one lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. 
So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. All right. So most of us have heard that one verse. If you if you don't know the rest of the reference, you at least know not by might nor by power, by his spirit. Somebody say, man, if you heard that verse before. All right. Um, verse eight. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. Who is he that despised the day of small things for these seven? Rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. What seven? They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. And we know what the eyes of the Lord are, the sevenfold manifestation of the spirit of God. We talked about that. All right. Then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and on its left? And I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip? into the receptacles of the two golden pipes from which the golden oil drains. Then he answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. All right. So um, go back, uh, if you would, media, and put, put the first picture that I have up there on it. Okay, and so this is just one artist rendition. It's not exactly like this. I can't say exactly like this, but I want you to get a sense that if you look at the picture, there was a single lampstand. That single lampstand represented the national ministry of what God initially intended for the nation of Israel. When he said Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through you, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. They were going to be the light that nations, they were placed in a strategic place so that people could see the light from them and then see their good works and glorify their heavenly father. All right. Now, the significance of the olive trees is also important. One olive tree was represented by the Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was a descendant of King David, and he represented the kingly anointing. The other one was represented by Joshua, the son of Josedek, who was a priest from the order of Aaron. So one had the anointing of the king. The other had the anointing of the priest. We read already in Revelation chapter one that God has made us kings and priests. We are the royal priesthood in our generation. All right. Um, but the fact that these olive trees were they were they were basically the leaders that was kickstarting getting God's temple built. And they were going to be the ones who helped Israel rise up to be what it was supposed to be in their community. All right. Now, this picture of two olive trees is important because in Revelation chapter 11, God's going to raise up two witnesses 
who are going to go to the holy city of Jerusalem and do ministry. And then John said these two witnesses are the two olive trees. He's referring to that picture in Zechariah. That's why I took the time to make sure you know it, because we've said God has a specific destiny for um, the nation of Israel, the nations of the earth and the holy nation, the church. When I see those two olive trees come back, I know God is dealing with Israel, don't I? Okay, that's why that picture is so important. Show the second picture, media team. Now, um, completely different graphic. Hey, thank God for Google. All right. So I just said, hey, give me a, a representation of the vision that John saw in, in chapter one. And a bunch of pictures came up. The one thing we want to understand and we'll talk through in our list is that each one of the lampstands here is independent. It's not just one church. OK, every lampstand had to have its own oil and its own light. And so Jesus would go by the churches because not only does he he stand in the middle. But we'll see in chapter two, verse one, that he walks in the middle of the churches. That he visits church. He's not only there's pictures previous to this saying he's seated at the right hand of the father. But John saw him get up off his throne and start walking by and see how the churches are doing. Now, as I was meditating this, the Lord said, just because you don't see me don't mean I don't see you. <laughs> OK. All right. Go back to, to the list. So we saw that. That's what I wanted you to get off of, out of number one, that the Old Testament ministry was represented that way. Their light has temporarily gone out and their dispensation and has been replaced by the church. But in the church, it's not just one church. Why is there all those denominations? Why all these churches got to be independent? Those all of those churches was independent. He didn't say there was nothing wrong with them having an independent church. Now, we're going to talk through how those churches are supposed to function in unity within the church and then be able to function in unity as churches. Because they're because both of those are represented there. All right. Now look at number two. Number two says the picture of the church here is distinct from other pictures of the church that we see in scripture. Now, this is the first time we've seen church described as lampstands. Churches described as lampstands. We've seen church described as the body of Christ and members in particular. Anybody know that that's a scriptural reference to what church is, right? Another scripture, we talked about it Sunday evening from from um, from first Corinthians chapter three, that the church is called the garden of God. And the seed of the word of God is planted in the garden by the sower. That's what I'm doing now. I'm sowing seeds that's supposed to get into your heart and grow up and bring forth fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. Another revelation of is that I'm a shepherd and the church is the sheepfold. The whole pastor term comes from the from the perspective of the sheepfold shepherd. Right. And of course, 
Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. So the church is perceived as the as the bride of Christ. All of those are pictures. But this is a totally different picture. Each one picture gives you a different insight on who Christ is and how the church functions. All right. The body says we shouldn't be disconnected from one another. I, I don't want to go to church. I'm going to just do it in isolation. If I cut my finger off from my body, my finger is going to die. All right. That's a, that's what I get out of that one. But I get something different out of this picture. So each picture that that God gives us through the word of God of how his church functions is important. If I don't spend time in this book. Then there's a whole picture that I won't even get. And Jesus said this, this was the picture of Jesus present day ministry. So I want us to understand the picture of how Jesus interacts with his church on a day by day basis. All right. Um, number three. Beyond the level of the individual believer, each church is designed to be its own golden oil lamp filled with the anointed oil of the Holy Spirit shining in its own space. Right. Each church. Right. That means I can't let the church down the street do my shining for me. Our church has to have its own shine. To have our own shine, we got to have our own oil. Right? Because if it was just one and all the oil was pouring in, then maybe we would just get a little bit on the side. But because we are our own congregation, we got to have our own oil. All right? Look at Proverbs 20, 27. Most of the times that we've dealt with the light aspect, we have dealt with it from the aspect of the individual believer. Let's see it. Proverbs 20, 27. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. So the Holy Spirit, we're going to see him as a lampstand in a future thing, in a future chapter here. He's a He's a big lamp and you are a small lamp. Your spirit is a small lamp. He's a big lamp and the church is supposed to be a lamp. All right. Um, in other words, you might have <laughs> you might have a laptop, but he's a supercomputer. Because <laughs> you the spirit of man and then there's the spirit of God. Same same material because you're made in his image and likeness, but just a different volume. Got it. OK, now let's look at Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Now, Jesus wasn't talking to the church yet because the church didn't exist. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. The church wasn't built yet. But let's look at what he says. Matthew 5, talking to individual believers. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hid. Nor do they light a lamp. Same word lamp here that's used as part of the lamps on the lampstands. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but put it on a lampstand. That's the word lampstand. I'm sorry. Lampstand is the one I was talking about. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light 
so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. All right. So there's individual light. For believers, but what we're saying is that the church has a light. Pastor, why are you taking the time to deal with it? Because the vision that God gave me for Destiny Generation Church is that the church raises up a light of spiritual, social, and economic empowerment that brings transformation to our region. When I said that, when the Lord gave me that as a vision, I was not thinking about this scripture, just so you know. But clearly the Lord was thinking about this scripture when he gave me this. I wasn't connecting the dots. I just was writing what I felt in my spirit. But if if this is the place that really talking about local church being light, then we really need to understand the, the, the book of Revelation for our ministry to be fulfilled so that we can be a light like he's telling these seven churches to be light. All right. Now, look at number four on my list. For each oil lamp or lampstand to be the purest gold, that's what the language in the Greek, the Greek doesn't just say that it's gold. It says it's the purest gold. Um, the impurities must be removed through the refining process. How does gold, how do you get to the purest gold? You turn up the heat. <laughs> All right. So churches have to be OK with things not being OK because the heat gets turned up so that you can be the purest of gold. OK, so that's what the, that's the significance of that revelation. All right. Going to number five. Number five says. The seven churches were each unique in external government and order, but unified in being a habitation for the son of God and the spirit of God. Each one was unique. Each candlestick stood on its own. But each candlestick had the same oil in it. Spirit of God. Right. And. The same son of God, Jesus walked in all of their midst. OK, so that just means I can appreciate what God is doing with the church down the street and still do what he's telling me to do. Well, why, why don't your church have a whatever that the, uh, is? Because, you know, people always want to tell you what you should do for God. You don't have a mission. You don't you don't have a pantry. You don't you don't. <laughs> People who hadn't put any money into the till want to call the church and get mad that they can't take money out of the till. I'm not mad. Listen, listen, church should do something. But I do what God's telling me to do by the spirit of God. I don't do what you want me to do because that's not my job. I don't work for you. I work for him. Every church should do this. Oh, you don't do missions? Listen, man, Jesus didn't call all of us to do the same thing. He just says all of us should have Jesus and have the oil. I know when I had a think camp 
Wealth Academy, not everybody was going to come to that. It ain't even necessary. Y'all just y'all just turning it into an American gospel. Child, please. Jesus said he was anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. I don't know about you, but the stuff I shared with you in that thing Camp Wealth Academy, once I learned it, it was good news to me. I'm not going to let you intimidate me to put my light under a bushel because yours is. Because I got my own order here. Does that make sense? So you can't let somebody walk you off of your assignment looking at their assignment. Because that's just like God telling you to do the odd problems. You do the even problems trying to get an A on the homework. You didn't do the problems he told you. Now, so the unity of the local church was represented by each individual lampstands. All of us within this church should come together and be a single lampstand. We're supposed to be united. That means all of us together are supposed to come together to be that single light that's in this church. The unity of churches is represented by the seven lampstands over against the world. Right? So, and those lampstands are supposed to be against the world with Jesus in the middle of us. So we, we can't be the people to say, okay, we the only light. No, that was Old Testament. No one church is the only light. Stop that. Stop it. Right? But together, we're supposed to be light together. You're supposed to shine your light. I'm supposed to shine mine. All of us are supposed to have Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Okay? And together, not, not just our church, but the churches of Jesus Christ in the earth are supposed to stand apart from the world, shining as lights houses in the midst of darkness. That's the picture. OK, number six, the, the presence of Jesus. Personally expecting and moving among the churches and the power of the Holy Spirit is critical to both the local and universal function of the church. If there is no oil and there is no Jesus, there is no church. That's true at a local level, and that's also true at a global level, isn't it? Okay. And so we don't like that spirit-filled stuff in our church. Really? Oh, you, you don't want no oil in your lamp. You got an issue. I didn't say that. This revelation says that, doesn't it? Because if you don't have the oil, the light goes out. Got it? Okay. And uh, if you a church where Jesus stands on the outside knocking, trying to get in, you got a real problem. We're going to see that as we go through chapters two and three. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. What? 
Now, you, you want to know things like that make your pastor nervous. And he should be nervous. I would hate us to be having church and Jesus be on the outside trying to get up in here. Some things he saw some one problem where he says, if you don't get this right, I'm going to remove my candlestick from its place. Now, listen. If Jesus pulled a candlestick out, I don't matter who else stay here. If Jesus gone, we not having church. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> Once he yanked the candlestick, church is over. Now, you can still be a social organization, but church has ceased to exist. OK, so there are things that we want to look at. OK, whatever whatever got him to the point where he was threatening to pull a candlestick up. I want to figure out what that is so that we don't ever do that in Destiny Generation Church. Can I get an amen on that? Whatever makes him stand on the outside knocking, trying knocking, trying to get in, asking us to open the door. That's a <laughs> see, that's why you got to picture this stuff. That's why images are so important. I would hate for us to be here, all up in here. Oh, man, we had church. You know what people say when they had, oh, we had church today. And we did a bunch of stuff, and Jesus on the outside knocking. See, that's why we need to spend time understanding how he sees this stuff. Does that make sense? All right. Now look at number seven. Each church now is its own candlestick, and each lead minister is meant to be a star that turns many to righteousness. Each church is its own candlestick. That's the mystery of the candlesticks. Now we now we bridge into the the mystery of the seven stars in his right hand. Each lead minister is meant to be a star that turns many to righteousness. Okay, so let's deal with the fact that the stars represented the ministers. Well, um, some people say, well, this just is angels. If you read commentary about chapter one, there are there tends to be two positions. One position says these are angelic beings from heaven. The other one says that these are the pastors or the lead ministers of the church. Have you ever went to a church and they refer to the to the angel of the house or to the angel of the church. They're, most of the time when they say it, they are referring to the person that's the lead minister, senior pastor, whatever you call want to call that lead person. When I look at it, I think it's a dual reference. You, you understand that in scripture, there are dual references where it's talking to a person and then to the spirit behind a person. Hey, disciples, Jesus said. How am I trending in social media? If you do a hashtag of Jesus, what would come up? Some say you are Elijah, Moses, one of the prophets. But who do you say I am? Peter said you are the Christ, the anointed one, the son of the living God. Jesus then speaks to Peter and talks to the spirit behind him. Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Pete. 
when he said that Jesus himself was flesh and blood. So he said, I didn't even get that one over to you. My father got it to you. So he's talking to Peter, but he's also referencing to the father behind him. A few verses later, a few verses later, the same Pete. I'm about to go down and die and I'm going to be crucified and they're going to raise me up on the third day. Pete said, nope, nope, you don't have to do that. Then he turned to the same Peter and started talking to the devil that's influencing him now. Get behind me, Satan. Same person, two influences. It was a double reference. This is a double reference. It's not, is it talking about an angel or about a person? It's talking about an angel and a person. Not one or the other, it's both. All right. Now, I done, I done jumped into my second list. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, let's deal with this leading minister being a star. That star reference talking about a person is something clearly identified in scripture. And I'm going to show it to you. Let's look at Daniel chapter 12. We're going to read verses one through three. Now he's talking to Daniel. This is Gabriel speaking to Daniel. We know that from some of the chapters previous to this. Okay. And he's talking to Gabriel about the nation of Israel. Now, Paul was the person who was going to tell them about the church. Daniel understood in times, in part, because he was only looking at it from the perspective of his ministry as a prophet to Israel. God did not reveal to anybody before Paul about the church. So he's going to talk. He is talking to him and he's talking to him about the nation of Israel. Remember, we said that Israel has a specific destiny and he's talking. If you wanted to hear. Revelation in terms of end time events from the perspective of the nation of Israel, then you should read the book of Daniel. OK, because he'll talk about tribulation and about the Antichrist. But he's only talking about it from Israel. Now, let's look, see what he says. At that time, Michael shall stand up talking about the angel, Michael, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. So he says, Michael is the national angel for the nation of Israel. And there should be a time of trouble. We could we would call it a tribulation such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. So it says that as great as the Holocaust was, there is something even worse coming. Lord, that's what that says. Even to that time, we haven't hit that time. So it's going the worst days are yet to come. And at that time, your people are destined to be delivered. Your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. OK, so resurrection, even even the Old Testament said that there was a last day resurrection, didn't it? Verse three, those who are wise. Shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. Or the starry heavens and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. 
So one of the key revelations that we want to get out of this is that the pastor, if you stand, if you move from being part of the lampstand to being a star, you got to have your own light. <laughs> okay? If you a lead minister, I, I, I can't be waiting for y'all to have light when you when y'all get here. I got to have my own. <laughs> BYOA, bring your own anointing. I got to have my own light or I'm not ready to be a lead minister. If you can't carry your own light with you, you're not ready to go from that side of the room to this side of the room. Not in terms of being the primary voice of the church. You're supposed to be your own light source. That's what that's that's the revelation that we get from the mystery of the seven stars. All right. Um, I got some references here, but I'm watching my time, so I'm going to skip it. What I'm going to tell you is these two references. There there are often two references of believers in scripture. It started with Abraham's descendants. There was a picture of Abraham's descendants being as the sand on the seashore or the dust on the earth, as much as dust is. And you can always find some dust. Lord, you can always find dust. He said, that's how Abraham's descendants were going to be. Then it says, as many as the stars in heaven. All right. Now, here's the challenge we have is that there are some dusty believers that need to be starry ones, but they don't have enough anointing. They don't have enough oil. Listen, you're supposed to get enough oil in you because your spirit is supposed to be oil. But if you just fleshly, if you're a believer, but you fleshly, you just. You just <laughs> ah, I thought back to the times when um, I came in from playing outside when I was young Christian's age and I came in and mom made me take a bath and it'd be that big dirty ring around. The <laughs> there are dusty believers. Who still have, <laughs> they just full of dust. They ain't got no light in them. But listen, if you're going to graduate from that side of the room to be a lead minister, you're going to have to carry you some oil. You're going to have to be enough to be a star that turns many to righteousness. Or you're not ready to lead. Say amen if you got that. All right. Um, now let's go on to the ministry the seven keys to the seven keys to the mystery of the seven stars. All right. So number one says the reference to angels is a dual reference, both to the principal ministry gift leading the congregation and the angel assigned beyond the individual level to the local church and its leader. The Lord told us, listen, you don't have to be a pastor to have an angel assigned to you. He's, Jesus said children got angels assigned to them. And he said, if you offend one of them, they will tell God on you. See, somebody's protecting young Christian there. And if I treat him wrong, the angel going to tell God. Jesus said that. Angels like care about that little kid. 
And so he said, don't offend them. You can get in trouble. All right. So every every believer has angels, but that's just an individual. There is an angel assigned to help the ministry of the local church move forward. And that's what Jesus is referring to. He wasn't talking about an angel to any one believer in that church. He was talking about the angel that's assigned for that church to go forward. All right. Let's look at Exodus chapter 23, and we're going to read verses 20 through 23. Behold, I sent an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the to, to the Amorites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hiv- Hivites, Jebusites, and, and I say and mosquito bites, and I will cut them off. I'm sorry, don't say that. They don't say mosquito bites. It's just past the humor. All right. Um, so he wasn't talking about angels assigned to individual people. He was talking about an angel signed to that corporate move. But that corporate move was for that one single lampstand in the Old Testament. Now that we're individual lampstands, we get individual angels for our church. Praise God. I'm glad that God ain't ain't moving for me based on the church down the street. Thank you, Jesus. I got to do my own thing. I need my own angel. Does that make sense? All right. Number two, that minister must be must have enough witness and revelation and independent fuel source to be an ongoing light source or a star. I can't be piggybacking on somebody else's revelation. I got to have my own oil. I got to have my own light. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't study after everybody else, don't mean none of those things. But I got to have my own oil. As a star, I got to have my own light. My own light. That is very important. Look at uh, Psalm chapter 19. We're going to read verses one through six. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show his handiwork day unto day, utter speech night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. That that phrase is important. That's the phrase I'm picking out from there. Their line has gone throughout all the earth and their words to the end of of the world. What words, what line from the stars? The sun speaks to you when it goes off. It's saying something when they wanted when God wanted to speak to them about Jesus death. The sun went out. That was a sign. All right. In them, he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. His rising is from the. One end of heaven and the circle to the other end, and there is nothing hid from its heat. Now turn to Romans chapter 10, and for, for the sake of time, we're just going to skip down to verse 18. Now, we spent enough time in Romans 
chapter 10 that I don't have to walk you through the how can they hear except there be a preacher? How how can they believe except one be called and one be sent except there be a preacher? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the end of the uh, hearing by the word. Now, look at what verse 18 says. Verse 18 says, but I say, have they not all, all heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound quoting Psalm 19. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. So that picture there about words going out wasn't just talking about audible sound. It was literally talking about the wavelength of light that comes from the sun or from stars. That just like stars can speak to you. The sun speaks to you and tell you if it's, you know, should you wear a coat or not? Yeah. Okay. He's saying, as a pastor, I got to have enough light that if you in darkness, you come in here on Sunday, you should feel like the sun has spoken to you. And where you was in some darkness, God has given you something that you can see now. You're not you're not you're not fumbling through the dark. You got some light on your situation. That's part of my assignment as the star minister of this congregation. All right. Um, now, because that scripture says that their sound has gone to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. This is one of the scriptures that I pray when it, when I say I'm believing God for the voice of destiny to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. This that's the scripture that I'm standing on. OK, whatever ministry God has called you to, since he told all of us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, you can stand on that scripture, too. I'm just telling you, I'm standing on it. I'm asking God to raise this light up to the point that it reaches around the world. That's why I work so hard on my messages, because I need them to be able to translate globally. <laughs> I'm preaching to you, but I'm using that media to preach to people all around the world. Not everybody around the world ain't calling for me yet, but hold it. When they call for me, I'm going to have a bunch of notes that they can go back and reach. You can, I'm right where you are. Yeah, you just pull it down. Go to YouTube, baby. I'm right there. But, but that's the scripture I'm standing on. You get it? All right. Number three. Angels hearken to the word and minister to the heirs of salvation, not just individually, but at the local church level. Now, I'm just, just for reference, for the sake of time, I'm, I quoted Psalm 103.20, where it says, bless the Lord angels who hearken um, to the voice of the word, right? Heeding the voice of his word, okay? So that's a key, that's a key scripture there. And then the second one is, Hebrews 1, 13 and 14. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? He never said that to angels. Unto angels, he says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Now, there is a part of your salvation you inherit individually, but there's a part that you inherit as a church. So then God begins to move. On that local church. It was an angel that guided us to this building, that helped us pay this off, that helped us do the things that got this church to where it is. And that angel, when you when you say the things that I say, 
We're destined for deliverance. We're destined for discipleship. We're destined for dominion. The angel that's with me begins to move with you. Here I am and, you know, we're doing this thing and people are sowing into me and I'm believing God for the grace that's on me. And then um, we had this thing where one of the young, <laughs> one of my young brothers talked about how he sat down in an office and uh, he drives a long way to get to church, the longest way of any member of the church. And then the guy in the office said, hey, um, you drive, you put a lot of miles on your car. Why don't you take a company car? Oh, that's that grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that didn't just drop out of nowhere. Yeah. What is that saying? The angel that's working for me, working for him, too. I got a company car. He get one, too. I'm just saying one angel will help us all inherit our salvation. And we believe it, receive it and act on it. Now, you can say what you want, but he still drove down here Sunday with one of their cars, not his. Number four, the enemy attacks at this level, at the church level, not just at the individual believer level, seeking to smite the shepherd so the sheep will be scattered. Right. That's what Jesus was said. He quoted that in Matthew 26, 31. Just take that one down for your reference. We won't show you that. If the enemy attacks at a church level, it therefore makes sense that the Lord protects at this level, holding the star ministers in his right hand and sending specific angelic assistance to them. OK, uh, let's say it this way. Um, when I became. Just I'm just want to use this natural term. So that you get it. When I became president of this ministry, the Secret Service sent special agents for me. Spiritually so. Why? Because the devil has specific demons specifically for me as your pastor. Listen, my warfare, the day I was ordained, not the next day, the day I was ordained, somebody put a specific anonymous claim in the GM aware line system saying I had done something wrong. The next day, the same day that I was here getting oil poured on me. There was a whole level, another level of warfare I hit when I became your senior pastor. OK, well, if I get a whole nother level, we, what do we say? New level, new devil. No, I'm saying new level, new angel. God sent me some help, baby. He sent me some help. Now, that makes sense. Because it because the star has to have his own light. And if that goes out, then the candlestick is in trouble. All right. That's number that was number four. Number five, stars come with their own brilliance and uniqueness and must burn until their light is no more. OK, let's um, let's look at first Corinthians 15, verse 41. Therefore, there excuse me, there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for one star 
differs from another star in glory. Each star has its own wavelength. They don't shine exactly the same. What does that mean? That means my shine is going to be different from another pastor. Don't come here asking me to shine like your last pastor. I'm not here. I got my own shine. Don't leave here expecting your next pastor to be like me. That pastor got their own shine. Stop going from this church saying it's not like the last church you went to. Stop it. Stop it. All right. And then the next thing that we see is a star burns until it burns out. In the early days of a star's formation, this is this is astronomy, giving you an astronomy lesson. It, it, shine, it moves really fast and it burns really bright. And it's trying to get a lot of movement. And then over time, it gets bright and stable. And then after a while, it fades out. That's how stars, that's how stars work. One day, the sun that we depend on will be no more. I just believe Jesus is coming back before that happens. That's, that's what I believe. Then there will be no need for the sun because he will shine in all of his glory. Right? But one day, if he didn't come, the, the sun would go out because all stars do. What am I saying? I got to shine my light and run my race. That's what I was talking about for those that went with me Sunday night. I got to shine my light and run my race. Right. Because somebody going to go behind me with their own shine, with their own race. Right. So when mine is going down, somebody else is going to be coming up. When my sun is setting, somebody else's sun going to be rising. But I and y'all can't expect the next one to be me. Listen, it take me all the time in the world to be me. <laughs> I got a lot of input that if you know me and you know the influences in my life, you can see who's been on me and stuff like that. But child, please, I got my own shine. Hmm. When my father went to heaven, I kept shining. People thought I was just his little flunky child, please. His star went out and I'm still shining. But guess what? I got some sons and some daughters. And they're going to be shining when my star go out. And I'm not expecting them to do it like I do. They got to shine their own shine. They their own star. That's why this revelation is so important. When I read this, then that tells me as a pastor, I need to sit and spend time with my ministers and see what kind of shine they got. And it can start small. But they need to have some shine. They need to have their own oil. They, they shouldn't. <laughs> I shouldn't have to get them up in the morning and put them to bed at night. You know, there's some people I got to burp them and change them and come on back to church. Come on back. Listen, you call the priest. You can't be that guy. You got to have your own juice, baby. You got to have your own oil. And. It should be shining enough that somebody should be being affected by it and turning to righteousness. All right. Number six, John 
respects the order, excuse me, not John, Jesus respects the order that he instituted, having an apostolic overseeing voice in John send messages to the leaders of the church. He didn't go past the leaders and say, you know what, I think y'all should do this. He wasn't sending it to the congregation. That message was to those leaders. Sometimes overseers like to get people in the congregation on their side. You got to no, know. You got to talk to the leaders. Does that make sense? You, he had God set up an order. These seven churches respected John as their apostle. So. When God wanted to speak to all seven churches. He sent a message to their apostle who then sent that to the leaders of that congregation. Does that make sense? Okay. That means you can have, you can have apostolic associations that you're a part of, but you still got to respect the leadership of that. Because sometimes, now it's not, it's not our apostle and it's not anybody that's been associated with church, but I've heard stories of ap apostles said, I'm apostle, and then they're trying to change the, hold it, bro, pump the brakes. Don't come in here and try to overstep your boundaries because you think you are an overseer. I know senior leaders that had to tell apostles, hold it, bruh, sis, leave that at the door. Okay, so do you see how Jesus sent it to John to the leaders of the church? Jesus, John, leaders, Jesus, John, leaders, all right, okay. And then finally, number seven, this is our last one for today. As the star angels of the church, each senior minister should receive input from overseers, but maintain independence to interpret that input and retain the light of the church as directed by the hand of the Lord upon them. Because each one is in the Lord's hands. Even when they got the letter from John, they still had to be the ones that rolled it out in their congregation. Does that make sense? Pastor, why are you studying this all like this? Why? Because I believe I believe in an apostolic ministry. But listen, I'm, I'm taking input from several people, but I'm still walking it the way the Lord's showing it to me. And I'm supposed to. And I didn't do anything wrong and they didn't do anything wrong by giving it to me. OK, but we have to all play in the position that God's given us. All right. Did you get something out of this today?